uh, Dr. Joseph Merkler, who's one of the most well-known critics of, you know, the whole COVID narrative and everything around that, and also a critic of, uh, of globalism in general. And uh, the, so these were two high-level figures that have been debanked in, in the past couple of weeks. And um, also their families, like you mentioned, uh, have been targeted as well. Yeah, my friends, we've seen debanking since truck first the truckers, well, actually first Trump and then the truckers. But now Nigel Farage and actually others uh, all over the world. In, it's happened in America, in Europe. What is going on? And at the same time, we're seeing grand insanity almost everywhere. That Remember the case in Canada of the young man, Josh Alexander, who was just with us at our gala in Toronto, Canada. You know, he was 16 when it happened, banned from his school for daring to protest the trans folks allowed in the opposite gender bathrooms. He wanted privacy for girls in their bathrooms, uh, not have young men in there. So he was suspended first, and now it seems expelled, arrested for coming when he was suspended. But get this, his parents in different school boards, both of whom were teachers, are also suspended from their jobs. Why? Because they're Josh's folks? Certainly seems that way. There's something going on in the world today that's connected to this debanking movement. And with us to discuss it on this episode of The John Henry Weston Show is our European correspondent, Andreas Walzer, and another one of our frequent correspondents from Europe, um, Frank Wright. Stay tuned. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Poor Person? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing. You know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. So let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, Andreas, maybe you can lay out for us first what is happening. Yeah, so there were two big stories um, that broke uh, in, in, a, in the past days. One was, of course, the biggest with, like you mentioned already, uh, Nigel Farage, the, uh, you know, known as Mr. Brexit, who led the Brexit movement. Uh, in in Great Britain and the UK, uh, he was debanked from his bank. Probably the most one of the most you know um, highest figures sort of in public policy who, who was debanked so far, and also uh, Dr. Joseph Merkler, who's one of the most well known critics of you know the whole COVID narrative and everything around that, and also a critic of uh, of globalism in general. Um, we at LifeSide, we actually. We reprint a lot of his articles, who which are excellent, and uh, the, so these were two high-level figures that have been debanked in in past couple of weeks, 
and um, also their families, like you mentioned, uh, have been targeted as well. So that is, um, you know, sort of what's going on. This debanking trend seems to be getting steam and, and targeting uh, more and more people. So, Frank, you've analyzed some of this. What do you think is actually going on here? Well, I think that the scandal that's unfolding speaks to the far wider ideological capture of the institutions where we cannot any longer um, believe that these people are acting in good faith. What's happened is technically legal, but it demonstrates the distance between legality and morality. When you were dealing with people who captain your institutions, such as your banks and your media and indeed your professions, you expect these people to act in a good faith that they actually don't have. You are talking about the expectation of principle among the unprincipled. The principle that governs these people is evidence of a, well, of a soft collusion between the major institutions of state and broadcasting and indeed financial institutions to exclude and destroy the life chances of people who simply disagree with their political views. Okay, those claims, they sound pretty far-fetched. Do we have evidence of these things. You, you really want to have hardcore evidence when making such things. Yes, we do. Uh, well, the initial narrative about Nigel Farage's debanking, which appeared as a result of him making public the fact that Coots, a private banking arm of the biggest bank in Britain, which is NatWest, had withdrawn his services and said that he had to withdraw all of his money. The initial explanation for this, which countermanded his claims that he had been politically victimised, was offered by the BBC. The BBC reported, in fact, it was their BBC business editor, Simon Jack, who reported that Nigel Farage had, in fact, fallen below the financial threshold of Coots Bank. And this means that he didn't have enough money in the bank account to qualify for private banking any longer. And that would have seemed to have put the issue to bed. It has subsequently emerged that this statement was made on the basis of a meeting between Simon Jack and the former CEO of NatWest Bank, who has subsequently resigned for making these false claims. She had fed this claim to the BBC in order to silence any criticism of her obviously politically motivated victimisation of Nigel Farage. Subsequently, a dossier was claimed to have existed and has been proven to do so, which was 40 pages long, and noted things like his association, Farage's association with former President Donald Trump, the tennis player Novak Djokovic, and alleged that he was a homophobe and a bigot. And these were the reasons that he had been debanked. Now, this is the reason that the former CEO of Britain's biggest bank, which is 38% publicly owned, so it's partly state-owned, that this, these are the real reasons that Nigel Farage was debanked. It was because of a private conversation between the CEO and a BBC journalist who knowingly published false claims in the press to cover up the fact that he had been politically victimised. This is an issue that does not confine itself to the leader of, as it were, the Brexit movement in Britain. It has affected people such as I reported myself for LifeSite yesterday, a retired policeman suffering from disability in Britain who couldn't access his own disability payments because he too had been debanked. It also affects a former British Army colonel who, because of some business dealings in the Middle East, found himself near bankruptcy because of debanking. It has also affected various Brexit MEPs who for the Reform Party, were members of the European Parliament. And not only that, reports have emerged that members of the House of Lords have found it impossible to gain bank accounts for their own children once their children's connection to their being Conservative peers' children had been revealed. This bespeaks of a collusion between an ideological elite 
that decides on its own merits who shall be able to access basic rights and services and who shall not. Uh, Andreas, what, what do you think about, I mean, you're in Europe, what is being done to address this issue? Are they even seeing it or is it just all covered up? It's now being seen more and more, I think. I think it's, so far it's been covered up, but now they went after Nigel Farage, who has a huge public following and a huge online following, is very well known. So it's sort of hard to hide it now. And um, I think now um, why this is so big and why we need to talk about it and report about it a lot is that I think now could be a turning point moment, actually, because Nigel Farage has announced that he's going to start a initiative you know, to um, gather all the people, um, to connect all the people who have been debanked for now in, in the UK um, and uh, start lobbying groups and et cetera for, um, you know, petitioning the government and, and making this known and putting public pressure on, on officials to uh, reverse this trend and to tell banks that this cannot continue, this debanking trend. So this is actually a very... Um, you know, I think it could be a very big moment now in this, in this, um, you know, whole debacle. And uh, Nigel Farage, I think they may have chosen uh, the wrong guy to go after because he's he's um, very persistent, and um, he, um, you know, he he almost single-handedly made Brexit possible, which no one thought was possible. And uh, now he's going after the banks, and he seems to be very determined. He has also acknowledged recently. Um, the debanking of Dr. Joseph Merkula that I've just mentioned and even suggested starting a movement of uh, or initiative against debanking in the US as well. Um, so this could be, you know, the beginning of something big uh, to fight back against these big banks and the whole, um, you know, sort of globalist system that, that Frank um, alluded to. Um, so yeah, this is, I think, could be a very big moment and uh, it's very important to uh, to stay on top of this and 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 I think support this movement because LifeSide News, for instance, we we could be on the list to be debanked next. Um, certainly, I mean we've been censored online, and um, we're certainly an organization that um, is not uh, very well liked by the by the globalist elite. So we could be one of their targets. So we really need to stand up for everyone uh, who's getting debanked for political reasons. Mm -hmm. Frank, your thoughts. Well, it's an issue that has extended in the past to online platforms such as PayPal, which have reserved the right to unilaterally withdraw services from people. Even in, in the United Kingdom, Toby Young's Free Speech Union encountered difficulties in securing an online payment platform because of ideological reasons. But these came to light because Nigel Farage issued what's called a subject access request, which means that you have a legal right to have the banks compelled to disclose information as to the reason why they made their decision. This is how the 40-page dossier was revealed. It may seem sensationalist or even paranoid to suggest that there is some kind of conspiracy afoot, but in what Nigel Farage, I think, rightfully described as a Stasi-style surveillance report, revealed that his social media were monitored, his media appearances, and everything he said on a month-by-month -month basis was documented and reviewed to build a case to remove services from him. And he was, and I quote, put on a glide path to have all his banking services withdrawn, despite the fact that his balance with Coots had never fallen below a million pounds. And in fact, was so healthy immediately prior to his debanking 
But Coots themselves also recommended that he be recognized not as a private, but a commercial client. So in fact, he had more money than you need to, to qualify for an individual account. And he qualified for a business account. The claim was knowingly false. The issue here is, 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 a, is a multiplex of, of a conspiracy of falsehood, which people in the elite think is justified because you do not share their opinions. Nigel Farage had sufficient money in his, in his account since he opened the account to qualify for this account. The statement that was given to the BBC was knowingly false. The BBC knew it was false and they, they nevertheless published it to provide cover for a woman who was ideologically discriminating against a leading British politician in a wider pattern of debanking, which has had ramifications for ordinary people throughout the nation and Europe. Take a look at this. This is Cardinal Burke talking in 2017 about demonic forces entering the church at that time in 2017. Hard to believe that so long ago. This was given at Rome Life Forum, a conference that LifeSite has been running since 2014, actually. Do you know that we're running another one this year, October 31st and November 1st? That is right at the end of this horrific synod on synodality. October 31st, November 1st, 2023. Come join us in Rome. Go to romelifeforum.com for more information. Watch Cardinal Burke give this snippet on demonic forces entering into the Vatican from his talk at Rome Life Forum in 2017. It seems clear from the most respected studies of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima that it has to do with the diabolical forces unleashed upon the world in our time and entering into the very life of the church. For the recovery of peace will be a gift from heaven, but it is not properly speaking the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Her victory is of another order, supernatural, and then temporal by addition. It will first be the victory of the faith which will put an end to the time of apostasy and the great shortcomings of the church's pastors. Now, this is very interesting because that collusion of agencies, of banking, of industry, of, of media, is really, we're seeing this take effect all over the world. And I'm interested, Frank, to know your opinion on Nigel Farage and, and the ability of his to do, you know, fight back somehow. What do you make of that? Nigel Farage has been described as being somewhat tired of having rolling a Sisyphean rock up the hill. But nonetheless, he has seen that rock succeed. He, he, he was described <clears throat> on the night of the Brexit vote as being 10 points behind that the media consistently broadcasted falsehoods, which turned out to be wildly inaccurate, saying that basically the Brexit vote had no chance of success in a campaign of concerted demoralisation. Brexit itself was hampered, as it were, by our own parliament, most of whose members, Conservative, Labour and otherwise, conspired against its passing. It has been largely sabotaged because the liberal consensus that rules the West does not want to see this kind of thing happen. Therefore, it makes perfect sense from the point of view of the liberal consensus, the political establishment of the West, to go after Nigel Farage and make his life as unpleasant as possible. This rationale is the Occamite rationale. It isn't the most Byzantine conspiracy. It is simply the simplest and also has the merit of being the truest explanation. Nigel Farage is being punished 
for taking actions that were successful in for once expressing the popular will against the liberal consensus establishment, which time and again refuses to implement policies that its own electorates actually want. I believe that this bespeaks of a wider and endemic, not, not so much a conspiracy, but a wider and endemic ideological capture of our institutions, because it is not limited to debanking. It is my opinion that this scandal will lead to a wider examination of employment practices, especially in the professions and in the public service, including in the National Health Service, the civil service, education and academia, which show systematic discrimination against people who do not hold so-called progressive views. For legal reasons, I cannot discuss a personal case very close to my family at the moment, but we are in legal discussions about such a matter of discrimination. And from my own experience, it is widespread. This is not limited to banking. If your opinions do not agree with those people who have it within their gift to offer you employment and to secure you contracts and to give you preferment, then you will find your career parked or ruined, or you will find avenues of ordinary career opportunities close to you, such as the Royal Air Force in Britain, which recently announced in the last year that it would not seek any applications for pilots from white candidates. Various police forces in, in, in Britain have also discriminated against people on the basis, not just of race, but because of political opinions. This is a problem, not just for banks. This is a problem for our wider institutions. It does make you wonder. I was speaking with uh, Liz Yor and Father Altman and Jack Maxey the other day about what can be done, because it certainly seems like in the United States, for instance, that all the three-letter agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, the, the CIA, they've all sort of teamed up against the American people, um, against conservatives, and they're targeting specifically, for instance, uh, you know, the FBI targeting Mark Houck and other Catholic young men who are uh, doing their best to protect life, specifically pro-lifers, specifically Latin mass pro-lifers for whatever reason. Uh, it's bizarre, but when your court system is corrupt, when your politics is corrupt, when your military and, and sort of military type agencies policing are corrupt, how do you come back from that? Where, where, where do you go to for redress? The, the institutions themselves are sound. They are currently occupied by a small minority of people who, because of their friends in the media and in certain positions in political power, can leverage an enormous amount of influence. If this were restricted to people such as Nigel Farage, distant media political figures, then it may be a system that could be tenable in the medium to long term. But it isn't. This is a problem that is affecting ordinary people in the discharge of their ordinary lives. People who go to work in the border force, in the police, in the public services, in the professions, encounter this ESG-inspired discrimination or equity-based discrimination, or shall we say, a two-tier citizenship based upon the values and political opinions that you hold. Ordinary people's lives are being shaped by these decisions and this ideology now. It is impossible to hide with any degree of media collusion. This is not a stable situation. This is a situation which will and has mobilized ordinary people against a hostile elite, which is desperate. This is a desperate measure. It must be recognized that although this shows a chilling collusion at the very heights of power, a collusion between 
shall we say, the member of Her Majesty's opposition, who hopes to be the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rachel Reeves, who actually provided cover for the former CEO of NatWest by saying that this was some kind of witch hunt against women, that she was being bullied because, because she was the first female CEO. This is a woke answer to a woke problem. And there is no internal solution within that system of ideas for the problems that this is causing in the lives of ordinary people. Ordinary people throughout the West are beginning to realize that their institutions, government, media, and in fact, the very things that they hope to protect them, such as the police, the military, their education system, has been captured by an ideology that is hostile to them. This is not just an outrage for people with political opinions that differ from them, it is an outrage of common decency, because though these measures are legal under a market system, they are certainly not moral, and it demonstrates the distance between the legality and morality of the consensus that we live under. It has hmm. no moral legitimacy, and it will victimise people for simply being normal and not being left-wing extremists. Hmm. Unbelievable. Andreas, what's, uh, what's your take on all these things? Yeah, I, I agree with Frank that I think um, on terms of how to fight back, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, we, I mean, of course, as journalists, we can report on it and spread the word. I think that's uh, one of the most important things to do, because as more and more people are waking up to this, how corrupted um, our institutions are, um, I think more people will start fighting back and start just not taking it anymore. And if you have a certain critical mass, I think it's going to be hard to push uh, through their agenda. They, they'd have to become ultra tyrannical and sort of drop this veil of, oh, we're free and open um, democracy. Um, or um, they'd have to back off um, and, and, and roll back some of these things. And there, there have been... There have been victories. I mean, this Nigel Farage. I mean, he he his uh, story led to two major bank CEOs stepping down already. I mean, in the grand scale of things, that might be a small victory, but it is a victory. Um, well, it's a, it's important to remember that the reason why this came to light is because Nigel Farage made use of an existing legal mechanism, he, which compels the banks to disclose them. The point is here is that if you simply surrender every point, you are going to lose not just the common ground, but all of it. You can fight back. The legal mechanisms do exist. It's important to take heart from this example because it shows that the institutions can function well if we use them. There is absolutely nothing to be gained by throwing up your hands and saying it's over. This, this example shows you that if you do hold them, to the letter and the rule of the law that they claim to champion, then they will be exposed at having corrupted that entirely. And that is the example that I think we should draw from this, that the institutions that we have in the West are sound. They have been hijacked to an enormous degree, but at this point in time, they do still function to protect your rights if you use them. And this is what we should do. We should, we should be looking towards building networks of support and cooperation that share information, such, such as the vital piece of information that I believe was shared on Twitter to Nigel Farage, that there is a mechanism that compels the banks to disclose them. And I believe that I read a tweet that was sent to him that compelled him to do this. And once he did, the banks had to comply with the law. The mechanisms exist for us to achieve redress in the courts. 
And these people claim to be the champions of legality and equality. Well, then we should compel them to legally respect those principles that they claim to uphold. And when they are found wanting, they ought to be punished by the law as they have been, not just by public opinion. But this was a clear case of a violation, not just of principle, but of the basic rights of human beings that any decent member of society would see as fundamental to living in an open and free world. We have to fight for that. And to do that, we should be building the networks now that shares the knowledge, information, financial and legal support that allows people who are not famous and do not have more than a million pounds in the bank to fight their own injustices. Because it's only now that the effect on ordinary people, the wide effect on ordinary people, is becoming known. So let's unpack that a little bit because, so in Canada, in America, well, let me speak of Canada where I know very intimately, we have smaller banking institutions. We call them credit unions. They're usually localized and it's where local community members can do banking on their own. It's run by, you know, credit union board and so on, but it's not one of the big banks. Um, Yes, there's some disadvantages in that, you know, maybe their, their phone apps don't work quite as smoothly, but they work anyway. Do you guys see this as well as a measure of protection and of getting out of the big banks? Because the big banks are really pushing this agenda. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Yeah, I do. And I think that there's a criticism of the conservative movement generally inherent in this is that credit unions are an ex excellent alternative to big banking because they are mutualist organizations. And that means that they run for the mutual benefit of the trustees of the bank and the people whose deposits they hold. So that means that you have an opportunity to get involved. Just conservatives should not move away from the idea that they can have some power other than complain about the state of affairs and then go home and barbecue. You can get involved in, in the administration and the, and the governance of these organizations to make sure that they aren't corrupted for, for people who have opinions that don't align with the liberal elite. So there is a call to arms to be answered, which is go out, join the institutions, join local government, get into the governance of local credit unions. And this is where you can exercise individual power. It's time to get involved. This is a time of crisis and a time of crisis is a time of opportunity. The fact that major banks, that Britain's biggest bank has done this to such a high profile figure as Nigel Farage is a terrific mistake. It's a, it, it's a tremendous own goal, but it also indicates the level of desperation in the regime that rules us. This is, these are not the actions of a confident polity. Now is the time to capitalize upon this weakness. And if you think that there's something wrong, be part of the solution. 
get involved. If you can get involved in a mutualist credit union, then I would commend that you do so. But we should also be building autonomous networks where we share knowledge, information, services and skills in order that we become more resilient against what is obviously a regime in decline that is taking desperate measures, regardless of the obvious reputational cost. So one of the things I wanted to point out to people is very often when forming these networks, they should be formed locally, by the way, uh, so that you can work with those closest to you, with family, with friends. But also, it's it's difficult to know who one another are. LifeSite News has just launched something called LifeSite League, an opportunity for people who share the values that we all do here at LifeSite uh, to interact with one another, to know who one another are in our own communities. So if you want to go to lifesitenews.com slash lifesite-league, check it out. It's an opportunity. You just launched it, so it's just getting off the ground. It is about local activism, about citizen journalism, because not only do we hope that you go out in your local communities and uh, do things, do this, you know, uh, get involved with credit unions, get involved with local politics, get involved with your school board, get involved with your schools themselves. However you take that activism forward, we want you also to be able to share what you're doing with others. And LifeSite News is here for that. So if you can sign up for LifeSite League, please do that. Tell us what you're doing activism-wise in your community. We're focusing on prayer, activism, and citizen journalism. So there's all that. Um, Andreas, any final thoughts for us? Well, I would just say um, we should definitely pray for Nigel Farage and Dr. Joseph Merkel and everyone affected uh, by the debanking. And uh, to realize, I think this this is really um, sort of an this is really an evil agenda that's behind this because, as you see, they're also going after the families of the people involved. So, they, it's it's clearly um, a politically motivated move to destroy to try to destroy these people uh, financially and psychologically who are speaking out on on various issues that are not um well let's say politically correct so yeah i think we need uh to pray and um in the in the end i think uh god if god is by our sides we, we will win and we shouldn't be discouraged even though we're facing you know powerful enemies Frank, final word over to you. Well, I was told last night by another LifeSite journalist, uh, Stephen Cox, that um, where God is, that's where the truth is. And where the truth is, that's where God is. And this is our inspiration for the fight that lies ahead of us. But the, the fight that lies ahead of us is far broader than one that simply concerns itself with the provision of banking services. I believe that it is, it is an indictment of the liberal consensus that rules the West now, which routinely punishes any government that emerges that speaks for the family, that speaks for life, and that speaks for the Christian heritage. The persecution of the government of Hungary is a case in point. It is becoming undeniable to note that any government in the world, even that of El Salvador, that takes basic measures, these are not rich countries, by the way, that takes basic measures to protect the family and to protect its own populations from criminal activity, are routinely denounced and decried, such as the actions taken against President Trump whose policies resulted in many benefits to the American people, in, including record high levels of employment for black Americans. The vilification of people, politicians in the West, who achieve ordinary positive results for the common people demonstrates where the values of the liberal consensus truly lie. 
They are the enemy of common decency, of Christianity and of ordinary people. And the debanking scandal simply delineates this and it shows how deep that prejudice goes. It is a small but very powerful, for now, minority whose power resides in the domination of the media space. And this crisis shows, and it is a crisis, and it will continue to unfold, that that media domination is no longer sufficient to maintain a narrative that is diametrically opposed to the interests of its own population. It is now turning upon itself. It is, it is a system that sees its own people routinely as its enemies. And so far, up until this week, it has managed to punish them with impunity. No more. I think the tide is turning. Beautiful. It's one last thing I would say, and that is that this corruption, you might call it the deep state that is going on all around us, uh, needs to be fought. But I think it must also be fought in conjunction with a corruption in the deep church, if you will. Because that, I wouldn't like to call it an institution, but if you would, that's been infiltrated as well. And again, uh, by a minority uh, who are trying to suppress. And that you can see how the faithful need to rise up and do something about. You walk with your checkbooks, uh, go elsewhere to only faithful uh, priests and uh, parishes. There's things we can do. We need to take action. And uh, I firmly believe that in order to set the world straight, uh, because the, the uh, as goes the church, so goes the world. And the scriptures say, if my people will turn and uh, from their sins and heed my voice and turn to me, I will heal their, heal their land. So I think those things are tied in together. So the call to prayer, the call to fighting also inside the church is very much part of this goal to uh, get rid of the deep state and the deep church and to thrive uh, in terms of society. God bless you both and thank you for joining us. Thank you, John Henry. Thank you, Trinity. God bless. And God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.